I'd like to share revelation I've had during my time here. It came to me when I tried to classify your species. I realized that you're not actually mammals. Every mammal on this planet instinctively develops a natural equilibrium with the surrounding environment, but you humans do not. You move to an area and you multiply and multiply until every natural resource is consumed. The only way you can survive is to spread to another area. There is another organism on this planet that follows the same pattern. Do you know what it is? A virus. Human beings are a disease, a cancer of this planet. You are a plague, and we are the cure. Welcome to episode whatever the hell this is of the Jared White Show, recorded uh, sometime during the coronavirus crisis of 2020. (laughs) For future generations, this is it. This is the time. This is what you're reading about in your history books. This broadcast is coming to you from the past, telling you that we are surviving We are still here! Oh, my word. Oh, boy. What a time it has been. And I don't mean that in the, oh, what a time it has been. What a rare mood I'm in. Why, it's almost like... All right, my Philip Seymour Hoffman impression here is not working, so uh, never mind on that. Anyway, I'm in a very strange mood, as you can tell. I haven't done a podcast episode in a while, so I'm here just to riff and just kind of get you up to speed on what I've been up to and what's going on. Uh, First of all, I uh, have something I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole about, but uh, it's something that's been going on for quite a while, and um, I've been keeping it very private, very close to the chest. Only a very small handful of people know what's been going on, um, but I feel like I can't really I can't really be transparent with my audience anymore, keeping such an important aspect of my life hidden. Um, so uh, I'll just I'll just give you the extremely brief synopsis of what's happening, and maybe later on down the road, I'll be able to open up a bit more. Um, but the long and the short of it is, uh, I am separated from my wife. I've been living uh, on my own in Portland for a while now, um, and uh, unexpectedly um, had to start dealing with a custody battle right before the coronavirus situation started. So (laughs) it's one thing on top of the other here. Uh, But the long and the short of it is that uh, my two children, my two young children, are staying with their mom, uh, not in this area at the moment. Um, Not something I would choose at all. So that's that's an ongoing thing that I'm dealing with. Um, So, you know, for some of you that might have known me from the past, 
I wonder like, hey, how is Jared doing with kids and working from home and all that? Because, you, you know, you work your you work in the computer industry. Obviously, you're going to be working from home a lot. How's that? How's that work with kids? And the answer is uh, it's it's not working at all with kids right now because my children aren't with me, uh, which is very sad, obviously. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, I hope, I hope obviously that things will turn around and the situation will improve sooner rather than later. Um, but certainly this whole coronavirus situation is slowing down, slowing down any sort of typical process that happens in these situations with, you know, in terms of dealing with, with, uh, folks in the, in the legal profession, so we try, we, we make do, we do what we can here. Anyway, uh, yeah, so if you're, if you're tuning into this podcast, hoping to get some words of wisdom on how to work from home and deal with kids at the same time, I unfortunately am not here to give you that advice, uh, but I am here to give you some advice on a few other things that have been uh, helping me cope and helping me stay distracted during this crisis. And also, it's really weird to be talking about the crisis. <laughs> We're living in the crisis because I just watched Crisis on Infinite Earth. Infinite Earth? Infinite Earths. Crisis on Infinite Earths, where everyone is talking about the crisis. Or just, not even the crisis, just crisis. You know, how are we going to get through crisis? What is life like after crisis? So that's what I'm calling this. This is crisis. This is this is. Uh, life imitating art in a way, uh, and here we are uh, dealing with crisis, living through crisis. What will we do after crisis? Will we live to see a new tomorrow? I really don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to be a geek and keep it light here uh, without it getting very strange and very weird quickly. Um, bear with me, folks. Bear with me. This is, this is what isolation, this is what quarantine life does to a man. You're, you're hearing it here, folks. You can, you, can, uh, you can go back to your college, your college uh, psychology classes at some point in the future and listen to these transcripts and study uh, what happens to people when they're Stuck working at home for days, weeks, months, alone. Ah! All right, so here's some things I do want to talk about. Uh, some truly some things that are on a lighter note. Um, first of all, I finally, after several years of tinkering and fiddling and fiddling and tinkering, I released a new album, a new music album under my moniker, Yared. So if you go to yared.com, Y-A-R-R-E-D, yared.com, you can check that out. It's called Maltnoma, or Maltnoma. I, I'm never quite sure how to say that. Uh, it's a word that everyone knows in Oregon. I did not know it until I came here. It's the name of the county in which Portland is located, Maltnoma County. Uh, it's, it's of course, a, a word from one of the local Native American tribes from their language. Um, but, uh, yeah, Multnomah is uh, 
basically in the synthwave genre, basically in the in the electronic music genre. Um, but it, it, it spans a whole bunch of different moods, a whole bunch of different feelings. Uh, it has a lot more sort of interlocking melodies and sequences and rhythms. Um, uh, more introspective, I think, than any work I've done since my, my first album, Garden Journey, uh, many, many years ago. I feel like this is, this is the most intimate work that I've done for a while. Uh, and I'm really proud of it. So that came out just at the end of March. So again, you can go to yared.com, Y-A-R-R-E-D.com, and um, it actually says there that it's available for pre-order. I need to update the title there, because it's completely available at Bandcamp. In fact, I think you can listen to the whole thing for free if you like, uh, but please support your independent local artist and purchase the album on Bandcamp, if you please. Um, I'm also pretty happy with how the, uh, the album artwork came out. Uh, I went through a, a bunch of revisions with a bunch of different ideas and eventually arrived at something that uh, isn't quite in the vibe of synthwave. It doesn't have a lot of purple and neon glows and doesn't have a DeLorean in the background. It's not some cyberpunk thing at all. Um, but I'm really happy with the vibe. I think it came out nicely. Uh, so, so, so take a Take Multnomah for a spin. Let me know what you think. That would be awesome. Um, the other main thing I've been working on to kind of occupy my time, uh, very much in the geek category here. So uh, if your eyes start glazing over as I describe this, uh, please just skip ahead a couple minutes. It's totally fine. You have been warned. <laughs> Uh, but uh, basically, I have been working on a tool, a developer tool, that allows folks to uh, build websites out of files on their computer. Um, and this is based off of a tool I've already been using for quite some time, which is called Jekyll. Um, it's uh, often called a static site generator because the idea here is that uh, instead of how many people think of building websites, which is uh, there's, a, there's a server somewhere and it's running some kind of software like WordPress that gets installed and you log into WordPress and edit some content and then anytime anyone goes to your WordPress site, WordPress will, you know, on the fly deliver that content to the, to the web browser visitor uh, and and you know, everything just happens on the fly with that software, and that's how it works. Uh, well, with a static site, it's completely different. Uh, essentially, you have a tool, a build tool. In this case, uh, the one I've been working on that just came out called Bridgetown. So, uh, so with Bridgetown, the way it works is uh, you just have a bunch of files in a repository. Uh, files that uh, you know might be a blog post or a page about something or you know a snippet of a page like some kind of design element. Uh, you might have some images. You might have some style sheets that control how the web page looks. You might have some JavaScript files that you know run code inside the web page to make it interactive and manipulate the content in different ways. Anyway, you have all these files and uh, basically. Uh, Bridgetown will take all these files, all these source files, and it will transform things, and it will generate things, and it will do all the work that it needs to do to spit out a completely self-sufficient, nice-looking, you know, usable website. But it's like a snapshot of that website. So once you have that snapshot, 
uh, that can just get deployed out to uh, to any any web server on the planet, essentially uh, any content delivery network out there, any CDN. So you know, essentially the same technology that quickly delivers video files to you, like you know Netflix or Hulu or HBO, all these services that uh, have um, you know basically servers located uh, close to major population centers, so you can get those video files to your home quickly. Um, you can use that same kind of CDN technology to get your website out to people very quickly. Uh, in fact, it, it can be lightning fast. So for example, BridgetownRB.com, which is the new website all about Bridgetown. If you go to BridgetownRB.com and click around there, uh, it's going to be about the fastest website that you've ever gone to. <laughs> and I'm not saying that to brag, it's just how this technology works. It's, it's what you can do with static site generators uh, and a little bit of know-how in, in the way that you, uh, that you, you know, put the site together. Um, so uh, for, for those of you who have fairly decent internet connections, you'll probably notice that clicking around the site is near instantaneous, which is awesome. Um, and you know it's it's hard for me to tell because I do have a fast internet connection here at home, uh, and my um, cell phone reception here is good, so I have a very fast connection there. So most websites are pretty fast, but but this one in particular is awesome, and it got a near one hundred percent score from Google's uh, Page Insight tools, which is really cool. Anyway, if, if you're not a geek, if you're not a web developer, you probably have no idea what I'm talking about here, so I will, I'll wrap things up. But if you are interested in tinkering around with a, with a cool tool to build websites, uh, and you uh, only need to know just a little bit about HTML and things of that nature, and a little bit about a uh, terminal on your Mac or PC, um, check out Bridgetown, and that's at bridgetownrb.com. And the RB stands for Ruby, because Ruby is the programming language that Bridgetown is written in. So BridgetownRB.com. And it's called Bridgetown because uh, I live in Bridgetown. <laughs> That's a nickname for Portland. Uh, there are other nicknames for Portland, like Stumptown, which I will get to later on. That's actually a thing. Uh, but right now, we're talking about Bridgetown. Um, and I also, uh, also just want to say I'm feeling a little bit proud of myself. That's me patting myself on the back. A little bit proud of myself for illustrating a logo for Bridgetown that's not terrible. <laughs> Listen, I'm not an illustrator. I, I do not draw well at all. I've, I've never been very good at that. You know, I, I can do design work. I can lay out things. I can play with fonts and colors and shapes and things, but, but I'm not good at illustration. Uh, but, but I actually want to tell you, this, this is a bit of an interesting story. So I, I was thinking about, you know, what can I do for a, a nice logo for Bridgetown? And I immediately thought of the bridge, the iconic bridge that everyone is familiar with if they know anything about Portland, you know, this, this big arch bridge, the Fremont Bridge here. Uh, so I wanted to make that the logo, and I wanted to do it uh, with some kind of vector graphics tool so that the, the logo could scale to any size and be razor sharp. Um, and I've tried to use Adobe Illustrator in the past. Adobe Illustrator is sort of analogous to Adobe Photoshop, but Illustrator is for uh, four line drawings for, you know, illustration. <laughs> um, 
And I've tried to use it before, and I just I could not wrap my head around the interface. I just could not I could not get into it. I could not feel inspired. Um, so I was I was thinking about what I could do, and then I realized, wait a minute, I have Affinity Designer here on my iPad. Affinity Designer is similar to Illustrator, but it's by a company called Affinity, which also makes Affinity Photo. Uh, both really solid applications for iPad. Really powerful. Um, so I was, I was thinking, I already have Affinity Designer here on my iPad, and I've hardly done anything with it. I should give that a try. So I loaded up Affinity Designer, grabbed my trusty Apple Pencil, and started to, uh, to you know, set up a grid and start to lay out some node points and adjust some curves and, and just kind of start, you know, start laying out the basic sketch of what I want the logo to be. Uh, making everything snap to this grid that I'd set up. So everything is, is aligned and, and different parts of the logo are completely symmetrical and all that sort of thing. And oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this is so great. <laughs> this is so good. This is, this is by far the best experience I've ever had with vector graphics. Uh, and this is really cool because uh, I think just in the last episode, I was raving about how much fun I was having using Adobe Photoshop on iPad. Uh, now I'm using this other tool, Affinity Designer, on iPad, uh, and that's also great. So I think I'm definitely, I'm definitely of the opinion at this point that uh, it's, it's not just that you can do graphics design work on iPads, it's that I think the place to do <laughs> graphics design work at this point is on iPads. Like, it's not just a way to do it. It's the way to do it, in my opinion. Uh, even though I have a big, beautiful MacBook Pro here uh, that's very powerful and can run all kinds of things on the Mac, uh, I prefer to use my iPad Pro for graphics design work. Uh, so I was very excited to use this tool, and I do think the logo came out fairly well. Uh, you can let me know what you think. All right, so with those announcements out of the way, I just have a, a brief list of topics here I wanted to touch on. Uh, and the biggest one will be me sharing some of my favorite TV shows that I've been into lately. Everyone's talking about what they're watching on TV, of course, because that's what so many of us <laughs> are able to do and have the time to do it and can't do a whole lot else. Um, but uh, you know, everyone has their own list. So this is my list. Um, but but before I get to that, um, I just want to talk a little bit about um, how sad I've been that so many of my favorite YouTubers who do travel vlogs, who talk about you know what they're doing uh, in Morocco as part of their hashtag van life lifestyle, um, and I think I mentioned this maybe on the last episode too, but uh, it's just it's continued to be. Uh, a major, major thorn in my side with all of this. And I, listen, I know this is first world problems with everything else that's going on. You know, I'm very, very fortunate. I'm very lucky that I'm healthy. Uh, anyone I, I immediately know that's that's close to me, friends and so forth, uh, seem to be okay. Uh, so I'm I'm one of the lucky ones here. So any kind of complaint I make, <laughs> you know, I'm wrapping it in this nice, cozy blanket of, you know, I realize this isn't that big of a problem. 
But it's my complaint. And you gotta let me, gotta let me vent here just for a moment. (sighs) YouTube has become depressing because, you know, every time there's a new video out from one of my favorite creators that's been traveling, it's basically, we're stuck at home, we had to abandon our van, we're living back with so-and-so's grandma or parents or cousin or uncles or... Yeah, and uh, sign up for our 10-day yoga workout, whatever thing. And I'm like, (laughs) no offense, but I did not subscribe to you on YouTube to watch you do yoga in your basement. (laughs) I'm here to watch travel vlogs, and there's no travel. Uh, Yeah, it is sad. And I myself, like, I can't travel around and make vlogs, which I'm sad about. So that's that's the thing here. YouTube is sad. Um, but other things are less sad. Um, I realized that uh, this uh, 16-inch MacBook Pro could actually double as a gaming PC. And when I sort of came to that conclusion a few weeks ago, it's like, wait a minute, this actually has a pretty decent graphics chip in it for a laptop or, or even for any computer. And the, the chips, the CPU chips are really fast. I wonder if I could run an awesome game on here. Um, so I, I did some research and discovered that, uh, that you could get the, uh, the most recent trilogy of Tomb Raider games uh, directly for Mac. There are, there are Mac native ports of the Tomb Raider games uh, for the Mac. So so I got uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider and Shadow of the Tomb Raider, uh, and I'm in the middle of Rise. So that's the second of the third. I just, I skipped straight to the second one because I kind of wanted to get, like, you know, a fairly recent game with really good graphics quality. Um, and I've been very happy because Rise of the Tomb Raider looks awesome. It is really, really stunning. Uh, excellently, excellently designed, excellently crafted, uh, very, very artistically done. Uh, it's fun, you know. You get to explore. Um, I, I appreciate that it's it's like some other games I've played in the past, such as Mirror's Edge, where you know, even though there are parts of the game where you have to fight and there's you know there's in-game violence, uh, you, you're almost always steered towards you know stealth and strategy. You know, you can't just can't just grab a machine gun and just run into an arena and just start blasting everyone away. You actually have to like hide in the bushes and wait till a soldier kind of runs along and then sort of jump out from behind. And so there's this all this kind of strategy that you have to put into it. And there's puzzles to solve and and crypts to decipher. And so anyway, I've been playing Rise of the Tomb Raider and having a blast. Uh, and I'm, I'm really happy that I can do that here on a laptop. Uh, the only caveat there is the fans spin up like crazy. Like as soon as I get into the game and it's really pushing the GPU and CPU hard, uh, the fans spin up and they get pretty loud. Uh, so I have to wear headphones. If I try to use, if I try to use my sound system here, it's just too distracting to have that fan noise. Um, but what I once I put on my headphones, my over-ear headphones that do a pretty decent job of isolating the sound, uh, then then it's fine. Um, so if if you use a Mac, if you have a fairly new Mac with a decent graphics card, and you're looking for a game you can play on your Mac without installing Windows or anything like that, 
I definitely suggest trying out the Tomb Raider games. I've also been playing a few games through Apple Arcade, and the most recent one that has really captured my imagination is called Stella. Uh, and I've been I've been playing this on my iPad Pro. I think you could even play it on an iPhone. Uh, it's it's a game that lends itself well to a smaller touch device, um, but it is so beautiful. It is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, the, the graphics are amazing. Uh, you're, you're basically this person sort of all alone wandering through all of these different scenes of sort of post-apocalyptic alien mystical lands, and you have to do all these clever little things to hide from specters and ghouls and creatures that will get you. <laughs> so it's you know it has a little bit of a of a horror vibe at times, uh, but mainly it's just a fun adventure, uh, and it's it's kind of meditative. So I've been playing it sometimes in the evening as I'm getting ready for bed, uh, just playing it for a little bit and just kind of just getting into that vibe, and it really helps me calm down and relax. And then I'm then I put it away and I'm ready to fall asleep. <laughs> So I've been really enjoying Stella, and uh, th there's actually a ton of really good games through Apple Arcade. I've been really impressed by Arcade. Uh, there's there's far more to, to do here than I have time to even get into, so I definitely feel like my Apple Arcade subscription has been worth it. So that's about it with games, and now I want to get into that list of TV shows that I've been super excited about. There have been some really good TV shows out, which is... Good because, uh, like I was saying, <laughs> it's hard to do a whole ton of anything else. Um, you know, I mean, e even with all the stay-at-home policies and you know, everything, all the lockdowns here in the Portland area, you know, that are all for completely good and valid reasons. Um, it's, of course, possible to actually go outside for a walk to get a little bit of exercise. So I try to do that every day, once or twice a day, and I just try to, you know, walk through areas that I feel like will be not heavily trafficked, uh, keep my distance from everyone, of course. So, you know, it, it, it could be worse. I, I've heard of other parts of the world, some countries and so forth, where, you know, you have to carry government papers to kind of uh, explain to any police officer, you know, what right you have to be wandering around outside. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm thankful I'm not in, in that sort of context right now. I can, I can go outside, I can take a walk, I can enjoy some sun and some fresh air. Um, but, you know, the, there's not really anything to do, of course. You can't wander into coffee shops or go, go find some cool hotel lobby to hang out at and work on your computer. All of that is gone. So, so here we are instead talking about TV shows. And I want to start off with one that uh, pressed all the right buttons for me in terms of nostalgia, and that is Star Trek Picard. Yes, Jean-Luc Picard, captain of the Starship Enterprise, is back. <laughs> back on CBS All Access. Yes, I paid for the description so I could watch Star Trek Picard and see my favorite captain, Captain My Captain, back on the screen after so many years, and this show did not disappoint. Sure, I could quibble a little bit here and there with, you know, any particular choice they made in terms of storyline or characterization or whatnot, but, you know, the essence of the show, the, the you know, the, the meat of the show, which is really about 
you know, what do you do when you're old and you think you're past your prime and your glory days are behind you and you're at odds with the way the world has gone, you know, people and institutions and and things that you held sacred for so many years and poured your life into have let you down, you know, what what do you do with your life? And and that's where we find Jean-Luc Picard at the beginning of this show. He's he's kind of hiding out, he's disillusioned, and he's, uh, you know, he, he thinks he has uh, essentially come to the end of his life, and he's just kind of waiting around for the inevitable. Um, and so this premise, not everyone has gotten on board with this premise. Some fans of Star Trek Next Generation, some fans of Jean-Luc Picard, uh, did not like how this started out, did not like this premise. But I I feel like this, this is essentially the same, we're just hearing the same kinds of complaints that people were having uh, around the treatment of Luke, Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi. You know, people are like, why is he this old guy? Why is he this hermit? Why is he just on this island and blah, 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 disillusioned and grumpy and... <laughs> and uh, it, it's funny, there's kind of a similar thing going on at the beginning of Picard. Uh, it doesn't stay there. It goes in all kinds of new directions and gets very fun and exciting. Um, you know, but a lot of people are grumpy about this whole, like, you know, old hermit hiding out, recluse. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I feel like for people who have experienced knowing folks who have gone through this sort of thing, it maybe that maybe it makes more sense to them and and that really that resonates with me cuz i have known people in my family i've known friends i've had you know older friends when i was when i was a kid i had a lot of friends who were actually middle aged and even older um because uh, i partially because i was homeschooled and i spent a lot of time in different contexts like performing celtic music and you know going to a lot of reenactment shows, renaissance fairs, all that sort of thing where, you know, quite a lot of people there were in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, whatever. Um, so from a young age, I, I spent a lot of time with, with older generations. And it, from a very early age, I, I, I just immediately could, could sort of tell the difference between people who were, you know, essentially living far younger than their appearance and people that, you know, were probably old when they were young, <laughs> if that makes sense. Uh, and, you know, w for the first category, you know, there, there'd be people in their, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, maybe even 90s who are like still dressing up in costumes and going to fairs and, and spending hours standing in the sun or sitting under a tent out in the sun and, you know, being part of, of this sort of wacky, creative, quirky, interesting uh, sort of, you know, cultural, cultural setting. Um, and, you know, I always admired, I always was deeply, uh, deeply thankful to, to know people that, you know, were, were uh, living life to the fullest, even if they, you know, even if they're on crutches, even if they're in wheelchairs, like they're still getting out to these festivals, they're still interacting with people, they're still, they're still alive, they still have that zest for life, and that always impressed me. Uh, and then there's other people that I knew 
um, you know, even some people in my extended family where, uh, you know, they just, their, their life just basically was just kind of hanging around at home and, I don't know, listening to a newscast or reading a book or watching something on the television or, you know, hanging out with some neighbor that came over from next door and, you know, it, listen, I, I don't, I don't want to be judgy here. Everyone should live the life that they feel called to live. Um, but for me, it was always hard to wrap my head around that because it was, it was like, you know, is, is that, is that who I will be when I get older? Is that, is that the person I'll become, you know, when I'm 65, when I'm 70, when I'm 80, am I going to just be just hanging around, just not doing much in my retirement, not, really going anywhere or accomplishing anything, just kind of giving up on any lofty ambitions? Is that what will happen to me? <laughs> and I think that's, that's a question I think lots of people wrestle with who, who aren't yet quote unquote old. And they're, you know, they're wrestling with these questions of, you know, how do you age well? How, how do you become old and still you know, still make a difference, still feel useful, still have a purpose. And that's really what Star Trek Picard is, is all about. That's what this show is about. You know, what is the use for Jean-Luc Picard when he's old and out of Starfleet? You know, what is his purpose? Why is he here? What is he supposed to do with himself? Um, and I think the way the show wrestled with those questions and kind of placed him into these unexpected situations to snap him out of a malaise. Uh, I, I just think it was all expertly done. I think it was really, really meaningful and inspiring and worthy of this character I've known and loved for so many years. My favorite Star Trek captain, Jean-Luc Picard. Anyway, uh, that's, that's my first pick here, Star Trek Picard. And the second pick is another Star Trek show, strangely enough, <laughs> Star Trek Discovery. Uh, I've watched the first two seasons, and the third season will be coming out soon. Um, and despite the fact that I think this show got off to a very rocky start and never fully recovered from some of the stranger decisions that were made going into the production of this show... Despite all that, I really enjoyed it, and particularly season two, um, some parts of season two, I felt were some of the best moments of Star Trek ever. I mean, there are certain episodes, there are certain parts of episodes in Star Trek Discovery season two that I would hold up against anything. I would hold up to the original series, I'd hold up to the next generation, I'd hold up to Deep Space Nine, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, some really, really great Trek here. Um, so that's also a pick of mine. So those two are on CBS All Access here in America. Uh, next, I'll switch over to Netflix. This is a show that I feel like is going to be really, really hard to talk about because uh, the first season was so unique, so eye-catching, so different, uh, so visceral, so just coming out strong from the very first moments. Uh, and because of the way the story was set up and because of the way it led into season two, 
I feel like almost nothing Netflix could have done to have season two live up to the heights of season one. Uh, I feel like there's almost nothing they could do to meet everyone's expectations. And I'm talking about Altered Carbon. Altered Carbon season one was a tour de force. It was so good. And uh, it's, you know, it's squarely in the cyberpunk genre, you know, this very, very bizarre sci-fi futuristic world. Um, and it was it was so great, you know, combined elements of Blade Runner and, uh, you know, space operas and and the Matrix and just you know, all these different elements coming together. Uh, and it was really special. Um, but, you know, with season two, uh, they they have a different lead actor. And there's there's actually a completely valid story reason to have a different lead actor, uh, which I, I won't tell you if you haven't seen the show yet, because uh, that's already kind of a spoiler. Like, why would they switch out the lead actor for season two? What, what was wrong with the actor in season one? <laughs> uh, and there's a reason for that. Um, but uh, yeah, season two didn't quite come together the way everyone would have hoped. But it's still good. I still think it's worth watching Definitely watch season one if you haven't, but even if you have and you haven't watched season two yet, I do recommend it. Uh, just know going into it that it is not as good as season one. But uh, I still enjoyed it, and I think, you know, there, it's there's certainly nothing that they can't recover from. There's every reason to expect that they could do a solid season three, um, and hopefully that happens. Uh, continuing on the sci-fi theme here, we'll go over now to Amazon Prime, and uh, I next will recommend watching The Expanse. Uh, the Expanse is a sci-fi space premise, but it's not space in the way that Star Wars is space or Star Trek or one of those sorts of things. Uh, this is kind of what space could be like if we literally just, you know, fast forwarded from where we are now uh, a few decades or a century down the road. So, you know, so space travel through the solar system is a thing, um, you know, but the, the vehicles and the, the way you travel and the, the issues you run into out in space uh, feel much more realistic, much more plausible than uh, so many of the other space shows uh so um you know so just seeing seeing just these basic things of grappling with issues of of weightlessness and and you know going you know say you uh you know lived in the colonies on mars your whole life and now you're supposed to go visit earth like what happens when you get onto earth and you're you weigh so much more than you ever have on mars like how do you grapple with that it's gonna feel like you know you're gonna feel like you're being crushed under the weight of of earth's atmosphere and and uh larger mass and so just just little details like that and how they weave into the storyline of all these really really well done interesting characters uh it was was endlessly enjoyable and i believe there's three seasons in total so all three seasons are on amazon prime and another one's coming out. So that show is definitely worth it. Moving on now to HBO. A couple picks here. Of course, uh, I can't talk about HBO right now without talking about Westworld. Westworld is the reason I started watching HBO a few years ago. It's what got me hooked on the service. 
I've been hearing so much about it, and uh, and boy, boy did uh, boy did that show capture my imagination. Um, I I won't even describe to you what Westworld is because honestly, <laughs> it is so many things and it has become so many things. Um, but just uh, just listen, if if you have access to HBO, go watch Westworld. It just I I don't need to explain why. I don't need to tell you why. Just go watch it. Go watch it right now. That's all I need to say about it. It is phenomenal. Next up, Run. This is a new show on HBO. It is uh how how would I describe this? It's it's kind of a comedy, kind of a sexy romp. Um I think someone on someone on the web who reviewed it said, "Wow, this show is horny," and they don't mean that in the sense of what anyone's like actually doing. They just it's it's like it's the tension. It's sort of the 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 foreplay. And so far, I'm with the way things are going. I'm I'm wondering if the entire first season is just going to be foreplay, because it's just you know it's all about these two characters that come together after uh, many years of being out of touch. Uh, and, and, you know, what, what kind of chemistry is there or isn't there? What kind of lives have they lived since they last saw each other? Um, you know, why is this all happening on a train? <laughs> it's a very interesting premise. It's a very a strange way to start out a story. Uh, and, um, and the, the main lead characters, uh, are just, uh, quite quite enjoyable to watch uh quite enjoyable to to see their their interaction and see the sparks fly or in some cases uh precisely the opposite <laughs> uh, so run is really fun uh, i'm looking forward to every episode as it comes out um there have been two already uh i think the third will be coming out next week so yeah this is just starting up and it's been really great this next show, uh, you can watch seasons one and two on Netflix, but the third season is going on right now, and that's on Hulu. So it's kind of split between two different services here. Um, but this show, Good Girls, has been really fun. Um, the uh, the lead actress, uh, Christina Hendricks, is um, probably best known for her role in Mad Men. She played Joan in that show. Um, and she does a phenomenal job here in Good Girls, um, and really the whole cast is excellent. Um, but but this is a really this is a really wacky comedy that dark comedy I would say that you know kind of starts out with this scenario of you know what what do suburban housewives who kind of get into a sticky <laughs> sticky crime related situation you know how how do they handle suddenly having to deal with with gangsters and the law and, and, uh, you know, keeping one step ahead of all of the crazy things that could, you know, destroy their lives at any moment. <laughs> and, uh, so it's really fun. It's really wacky. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a word for it. Wacky. This is a wacky show. Um, it's fun. Uh, it, I feel like season three, the, 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 the momentum that was so strong in seasons one and two has kind of slowed down a bit, and I'm kind of not sure where the story's going at this point. Um, but uh, you know, I I think I think it's still worth 
it's still worth watching, especially seasons one and two. You know, if you kind of binge watch some of the previous stuff on Netflix and, you know, don't necessarily jump into season three right away, maybe wait for a while to get into that. That's totally fine. All right, only a few more to go here. Uh, these next three are all on Hulu. So apparently I am a big Hulu fan because there are so many shows that I've been watching lately on Hulu and I'm recommending here. This next show is near and dear to my heart because it is called Stumptown. And yes, folks, it's all about Portland. <laughs> uh, well, it theoretically is all about Portland. Theoretically, it takes place in Portland. But they actually filmed the show in L.A., and that is weird because <laughs> they're they're talking about, you know, street names and locations and places. And I'm like, I know where that is. I know what that is. And then you look at the footage and you're like, wait a minute, what's a palm tree doing there? Wait a minute. Those hills don't have evergreen fir trees on them. Wait a minute. <laughs> is this Sepulveda Avenue? What's going on here? Um, so so that's a little disappointing. But but that aside, Everything about Stumptown is great. The show is great. Colby Smulders in the lead role is fantastic. And um, it's it's kind of this detective noir sort of vibe with a little bit of, of hipster quirkiness that comes from this Portland kind of setting. Um, so I really enjoyed that. The entire first season is on Hulu. Uh, and I'm, I'm not sure if it's been renewed for a second season. Uh, this, this show is actually from ABC. Um, so I'm not entirely certain if they've greenlit a second one. And, you know, with everything that's going on now with Crisis, who knows when any new stuff might come out. But uh, but Stumptown Season 1 was a whole lot of fun. Uh, this next one is is actually an old limited miniseries, just like one season kind of show uh, from a few years ago starring James Franco called 11-22-63. And it's based on a novel by Stephen King. Uh, and it's basically all about what if you could go back in time and figure out how to prevent the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Um, and I'll leave it at that because it goes in all kinds of very strange, very, very bizarre <laughs> directions, as you can imagine. This is Stephen King, after all. Uh, nothing turns out as you would expect. Um, but, uh, it was interesting cause it's, you know, it's not horror. It's not like fantasy, sci-fi, horror, whatever. It's not the usual, you know, thing you expect to see from a Stephen King novel. Um, you know, basically there's, there's nothing fantastic about, fantastical about anything that happens other than the initial time travel mechanism. You know, it's, it's, you know, think of a show like Groundhog's Day where like, Yes, the fantastical element here is this man is waking up in the same day and reliving it over and over again, but otherwise everything is completely normal. And that's the way this show is. Other than the time travel aspect, everything else is completely normal, uh, and that's what makes it so fascinating. That's what makes it so intriguing. So 11.22.63, that's the show on Hulu uh, that I'm recommending. And then finally, this final recommendation is a new show, a new show on Hulu called Devs. And uh, it's a show that was conceived and uh, oftentimes directed and written by Alex Garland, who you may know from Ex Machina and Annihilation. 
And both of those shows were in the sci-fi genre, but they were uh, they were very uh, cerebral, kind of dreamlike, very uh, fanciful, and uh, you know this this Alex Garland definitely there, there's a vibe to his work. You know, there's a style to it. I think you could maybe compare him with M. Night Shyamala in that way of this very kind of stylized, uh, very, very unique author voice. Uh, and Debs was, was a beautifully shot, beautifully displayed show. And it's probably one of the most beautiful shows I have seen in quite some time. You know, if you want just visual eye candy, devs is for you i mean even down to you know some of the settings like you know it kind of centers around this tech company that has a campus in the forests of northern california south of silicon valley you know maybe kind of near santa cruz that area um and just you know just the way they're walking through redwoods the way they're they're walking across this campus it was actually filmed at i believe university of santa cruz uh, they they used some of the buildings there, so you know you're you're in these settings, and it's it's not it's not you know it's not Hollywood magic here. Like there really are these these just beautiful settings in nature that they're filming quite expertly, uh, and it's just gorgeous. And then of course you know you add on all the the wacky sci-fi elements here, uh, which you know themselves are also expertly filmed and and displayed. Uh, it's just a beautiful show. Very, very cerebral. Um, there's some action elements here, but a lot of it is quite slow paced, I would say. Um, so, so this is this is a good show to you know later at night, dim the lights, get comfy on a couch, you know, turn off your phones and other distractions, get quiet, and just watch an episode of Devs and just just kind of uh, stew in those delightful juices. <laughs> I don't think that came quite out the way I wanted to, to have it come out. Um, but anyway, point is, Devs is awesome. Go check it out. All right, folks, that's it for me. That wraps up this very strange, very weird quarantine life episode of The Jared White Show. <laughs> if you've made it this far, my hat's off to you. Uh, go check out other episodes at jaredwhite.com slash podcast. And I will see you next time, whenever the hell that is. Bye.